and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase, and I'm one of the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. It's just me today. Liz will be back next week, but I've got an awesome guest to keep me company. Today, I'm going to be talking with author and dog trainer Victoria Shade for our first ever pet-focused episode. Yes, we're talking about everything you need to know before you welcome a wonderful pet into your family. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool <laughs> picks of the week. And we'll be right back with Victoria and her two adorable dogs that you can hear barking right after this. This episode of Spawn is brought to you by Discovery Education and 3M. If you've got a curious kid like us or a budding scientist, hey, making slime counts as science, then you'll want to check out the 2020 3M Young Scientist Challenge. Now through April 21st, 2020, your middle school students can enter to win a grand prize of $25,000. Whoa! They're also awarding the top 10 finalists the opportunity to participate in a summer mentorship with a 3M scientist and receive a once-in-a-lifetime trip to the 3M Innovation Center. And it's easy to enter. No crazy science experiments required in case you were hoping to make a DIY exploding volcano in your kitchen. Just a one to two minute video where your kids share a unique solution to an everyday problem. How cool is that? You can head over to the 3M Young Scientist Lab for a step-by-step guide to the entry process, along with a ton of free STEM resources and activities. That's youngscientistlab.com to enter the 2023 m Young Scientist Challenge. Again, go to youngscientistlab.com and enter. And then check out the awesome free STEM resources and activities. Yay, science! So let's talk a little bit about our guest. I am very lucky because Victoria actually lives in my town and she is an award-winning author, speaker, and dog trainer known for her upbeat approach to living and working with dogs. Her books, Bonding with Your Dog, A Trainer's Secrets for Building a Better Relationship and Secrets of a Dog Trainer, Positive Problem Solving for a Well-Behaved Dog are geared to helping people and pets lead harmonious lives together. However, she's written even more books. Her lighthearted debut novel called Life on the Leash was published in 2018. And her next novel, Who Rescued Who, comes out very soon on the 24th of March. Victoria has worked with Animal Planet for over 14 years as the lead animal trainer on the channel's popular Puppy Bowl special. You know, we've all seen the Puppy Bowl, so this is pretty big time. And she's appeared as a co-host on the program. Faithful Friends during its two-season run. As I mentioned, Victoria lives in Bucks County with her husband and two dogs, who you might have heard a little earlier, Olive, the mixed breed, and Millie, the smooth Brussels griffin, as well as the occasional foster pup. Welcome, Victoria. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That was like the best intro I've ever gotten. Well, you know, it's... (laughs) Thank you. It's your bio, friend. Did you know that you are so (laughs) awesome? I'm here to remind you today. (laughs) 
Well, not that awesome. If I'm a dog trainer whose dogs are being naughty in the background during a podcast, come on. Uh, Well, you know, not everyone, even dog trainers can't always be prepared. You know, I mean, your dogs can do a lot of tricks. I've seen them on your awesome Instagram feed. So I know that they can do a lot of tricks. So maybe, you know, maybe they're just not podcast dogs. They actually, they're YouTube dogs. I've seen them. So maybe that's their medium. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, they're also, they want to be here in the little studio with me. So there's a little bit of, hey, you're having fun without me. So. Yeah, FOMO. So I'm so excited to talk to you about this because we've met a few times and we've talked about writing. We've talked about your new book, which we will get to, Who Rescued Who. But I want to talk to you about other areas of expertise that you have. You have so many, and that is your many years as a dog trainer. We've actually truly never done a pet episode in the almost five years we have been doing this podcast. This is a big deal. And I've got three dogs. I know. And I know families have a lot of questions. So let's dive in because there's a lot of stuff here. And I think the biggest one, at least to start, is how do you know if your family is ready for a pet? And I can, I'm probably going to say it's not watching 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> that is not a exactly. good impetus for getting a pet. So tell us what we should be looking for to know that not just adults, but the kids in our family are ready as well. Such an important question. So there are a couple things that you need to go through before you can start to think about being ready. First, of course, have your conversations about the dreams and the fun stuff, you know, like what's the name we're going to choose and what's our favorite breed. That's important because that's kind of getting the process started. But then you need to do your research. And that's probably the most important part of the process is figuring out like what dog is a fit for our lifestyle, our household, our children's ages. Look into rescue groups in your area. That's super important. And then the most important thing about the process, have I said that everything is the most important thing? (laughs) No, it's okay. I mean, it's all important. You're welcoming a new member to your family, you know? It's huge. But I think the most important is recognizing that even if your heart is in the right place and you think like, okay, we're going to bring a dog into the home to help teach our children responsibility. The reality of that after 20 years in the dog training business is that it all falls on the mom's shoulders. Yeah, I, I hate to say it. I hate <laughs> to say it. Your kids might swear up and down. We promise we're going to help. We'll do all the walking and we'll scoop all the poop. Sorry, guys. Nope doesn't happen. So just be prepared for that. Absolutely. I mean, we have three rescue dogs. And I have to say, my husband has taken on a lot of the responsibility. And, you know, when he's not here, I do as well. My 13-year-old son, he walks in when he gets home from school. We have everybody chip in. But certainly, the responsibility of, hey, who's going to take the dogs out so they don't pee on the floor? You know, my children, that doesn't that's not top of mind for them. <laughs> so I have to agree with you. Yeah. And your scenario, it sounds actually pretty good because typically there's not that much division of labor. So good for you. Oh yeah. Listen, there are six people in our house and we all can walk. We're very, we are very uh, (laughs) blessed to be able to walk so we can walk the dogs. We don't have a yard. So the dogs actually, they really need to walk. You know what? But it gets us outside. It gets us moving. You know, I'm curious though, are there ways that families with kids can practice before getting their own pet? I know that's maybe not feasible, but maybe you have some ideas for families who are thinking about it but aren't sure. Yeah, actually, I have one that's going to make you really popular within your friend group. So tell your friends, hey, are you going away for a weekend trip? (laughs) Let us watch your dog. Yes, love that. 
that. Of course. Yeah. That's such a great idea. Well, it's a win-win because you're doing your friends a solid by watching their dog. And also you're getting a really immersive experience with what it means to have a dog in your household. So, you know, the level of walking that needs to happen, supervision that needs to happen, and exercise requirements, all of that really is so obvious when you've got this four-legged family member for the weekend. So I think that's a really easy way to do it. No, I love that. And it's funny, we had a lot of lizards at a certain time a few years ago. Um, One of my son's friends from school, she watched them while we were away and she had always wanted a lizard. That was a thing she wanted. She had begged her parents. She had to take care of them, turn their lights on and off, feed them crickets. Didn't want a lizard after that was over. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty easy. (laughs) Yeah, that's trial by fire right there. But what a great, you know, way to avoid making a mistake. And that's really the goal this. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So what are some things that you like to see in a home before people bring home a pet? Let's be honest here. We're talking about dogs. I don't, I can't, there's a lot of other animals that people can have as pets. There's guinea pigs and hamsters, and we just said lizards, but we're focused on dogs. Your book is focused on dogs and you're a dog trainer. So we're talking about them. So let's just say, I say pet, but before bringing home a dog. Okay. Before bringing home a dog, there are a couple things I like to see. Books, baby gates, and busy toys. Ooh, okay. So for books, I really want people to do their research. And yes, there's tons of information on the internet, but buyer beware, as we all know, you have to consider the source of the information. So I like going old school as an author, um, picking up some books that give you a really good overview of what's required with pet parenthood. Baby gates, because they make your life so much easier. Okay, they're a pain in the neck to have to climb over them, but that aside, it reduces your dog's target zone within the house, both for what they're chewing and what they're potentially pottying on. It just enables you to supervise much more easily. So baby gates are awesome and necessary and buy a million. And then busy toys, they are great because they're babysitters for your dog. So by busy toy, I mean like Kong, Everyone knows Kong, King Kong. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm making an assumption, but it's the red hard plastic toy that looks like a soft serve ice cream cone. Yes. You You did a very good job of describing it. I know exactly the one you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) So that was the original busy toy, but there have been so many that have come along since then. Like uh, Westpaw, great sustainable company made in the United States. Planet Dog, also another great one. And the whole goal of a busy toy is to stuff it with goodies and your dog slowly unpacks those goodies and is kind of anchored in one spot. So that's why I call it the babysitter. So having a variety of those types of toys really, really helps. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like a doggy iPad. (laughs) Yes, I love it. A doggy iPad. Not that we do that with our small children, but I have to say, (laughs) I was having an issue with the third dog that we adopted. You remember this? I reached out to you. She's peeing everywhere. Happy to say she's not doing that anymore. And also happy to say it was because of your advice. You told me about the baby gate. You're like, why does this dog have full run of the house. She has not earned it yet. And you know what? We actually still have the gates up because it just makes it easier for us. She's still young. I mean, she's only a little over one. So she's still a baby. And I have to say it was the best decision we made. It really, really helped with house training and keeping track of her. So I vouch for that. Raising my hand here. You can't see me, but I love that. Do you think 
kids should be involved in the training. And I know it depends on age, obviously. You know, you've got a two-year-old versus a 13-year-old. But I know my kids were really motivated to help train the dog. You know, I say dog, the dogs. And they really did a great job. So I would want to say yes. But I'm curious to know what you have to say about it. 100% yes. I love it. One of my favorite things about doing private lessons was going into the home and seeing kids so eager to go on the training because it's so empowering for a child to realize that they can have a little bit of say in how the dog functions in the household and, you know, it's vocabulary. Really, training is giving the dog and the humans a common way to speak to each other. So empowering children with that is really amazing. It grows the bond. And holy crap, kids are so creative when they start training. It's just really magical. So yes, age dependent. But that said, I've worked with kids as young as three. And of course it was, well, it was team training. It wasn't like they were, you know, holding the leash on their own. Right, right. Stuff like coming when called. You know, the way you do that with a three-year-old is you say, okay, we're going to say here. So one, two, three, here. And the child feels like, hey, I'm training this dog. Or even like when you're giving the dog a treat, if you can cup your child's hand in yours and hand the treat over. Yeah, yeah. it's not as easy to get the super young kids involved, but it's so worth it. Well, isn't it good for them also to then become acclimated to the dog itself? I mean, because I know like that's just an important part of building rapport in a relationship, right? So if they're part of that, if they're giving treats, you know, with supervision, I feel like that really helps build the relationship. Totally builds the relationship. It increases the confidence. And I think it shifts the dog's perspective of the child as well. Instead of the dog saying like, this is my roll around the roll on the ground playmate. It's, you know, the the child can also ask the dog to do things. And you know what? If your kids can make a TikTok video, then they can help train a dog because I've tried to make a TikTok video and all the editing and the cool effects and all the stuff they do with those videos. If your kids are nine, 10, you know, I'm talking about a little older kids, but if they can do that kind of stuff, you know, if they can get around screen time, I'm using a lot of tech references, but I think that resonates with parents. Like your kids are very capable. They can certainly do this, I imagine that a lot of parents feel intimidated because for whatever reason, they're like, we've seen other people raise kids and I don't want to say train kids, but they're, you know, we do sleep training. (laughs) A lot of parents haven't had the experience themselves. So is that something you work with families on is just, you know, being comfortable? Oh, yeah. I think the best trainers are equally good with people as they are with dogs. Mm. You can't just be a dog person and think that you're going to be a successful trainer because you have to communicate with the people to communicate with their dogs. Mm. Yeah, it's intimidating at the outset, I think, just because there's a lot to know. But if you found the right training class for you and your family, or if you've welcomed the right kind of trainer into your home, they're going to work with you to make sure everyone's comfortable and confident and enjoying the process. So you are a huge proponent of rescue dogs. If people follow you on Instagram, which it's Victoria underscored shade, which is S-C-H-A-D-E. If they go over to your page, they're going to see you do lots of fun stuff. You're doing tricks with your dogs. You're doing photo shoots with them. (laughs) But you're also volunteering at a local rescue. And this is part of your book, right? Rescue Dogs. So why is this so important? Oh, gosh, it's so important because we have a dog overpopulation problem in Mm. this country. It's heartbreaking. You know, there are so many amazing dogs. And I think that's an important thing for people to recognize is that just because a dog is in a shelter or in a foster situation, that dog is not broken. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not something inherently wrong. Half the time, more than half the time, it's 
a human problem and not a dog problem. So there's relocation, divorce, death, unfortunately. All of those types of things can land dogs in a shelter. And, you know, the dog is innocent in that situation. So recognizing that rescues aren't broken super important. Also, people think for some reason that like, oh, it's just the weird mixed dogs at the shelter. Okay. First of all, there's nothing weird about them. They're amazing and beautiful. Amen. Uh, But, you know, we we get puppies. I volunteer at um, Animal Care and Control in Philadelphia. We get little baby puppies. We get breeds. You know, just because you're getting a shelter dog doesn't mean that it's going to be a mixed breed. Again, love mixed breeds, but we've had chihuahuas. We've had a mastiff, a Great Dane. Um, these are all big dogs. Sure. Be yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, but we do get, you know, there are breeds coming through the shelter and rescue system as well. And in terms of doing research about where you rescue your animal from, I think that seems to be a part of it. And then also research rescue dogs, is it the same process? I mean, you know, yes, there are bred dogs, if you will, at rescues. I mean, all of mine are mutts and I love them. But does that kind of present a bit of a challenge in terms of knowing some of the characteristics of the dogs? Like, are there sweeping, I don't know, I mean, sweeping generalizations, but there are some things, you know, that are common with a certain type of dog. So you can do a little bit of research, right? Like, what do you say for people who are like, well, it's really hard to research. I don't know where to start when it comes to a dog who I might not know too much about. I think a great fit for families is going with an organization that fosters, that that has foster families that have the dogs with them. You can definitely find amazing dogs at the shelter, but if you really want to get a great snapshot of what the dog is like, talk to a rescue where that dog has been living with a family because they're going to know, are they good with kids? Are they good with cats? You're going to really understand what that dog is like. Foster families really give a great snapshot of the dog all its likes and dislikes and whether or not it's going to be a fit for your family. So you know a lot about rescue dogs. You wrote a book called Who Rescued Who? And your character was a little unsure about dogs, which I know parents have this question a lot, right? Like, what do you do if your child is unsure about dogs? Now, all my kids, I say all my children, like the soap opera, all my children, (laughs) they've grown up with dogs. They've had dogs. We have a lot of dogs and they're all pretty comfortable with them. But when we have people come over, it runs the gamut, right, between kids who are just like in the face, love the dogs, don't care what's happening, Mm -hmm. and children who are like, I'm not coming into your home. What do you do in that situation? Maybe not for me having kids over, but just in general, if you have a child who is unsure about dogs, kind of like a character in your book. Yeah, so Elizabeth was completely unsure about dogs because of something that happened in childhood. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it kind of gave gave her this lifelong fear or uncertainty around dogs. And that's why it's so important to help kids get over that, because obviously dogs are everywhere. Talking about why, if you notice that there's some hesitation, something might have happened. You know, maybe your child went to a friend's house and their dog jumped up and scratched them or Mm -hmm. something. So seeing if there's a specific reason why. I think modeling the correct way to be around dogs really, really helps. I have an example. I was at a dog-friendly store in town with Millie, who's my small black dog, and a child was really interested in interacting. And I said, sure, it's okay. And mom was around the corner and mom sees the child about to pet Millie. She swoops in and grabs this child like I had a dragon on the end of the leash and was like, oh, dear, no, don't touch it, don't (laughs) touch it. So I was like, in that moment, woman, you've just taught this child to be afraid of dogs. Right, right. So modeling the right way to be around dogs really helps. 
don't force it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a shout out to dads of the 70s and 80s that are like, oh, you're afraid of swimming? I'm going to throw you in the water. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't do that. No. <laughs> Not going to be good for dog or child. So let it develop naturally. And I think finding ambassadors, you know, friends that have nice, calm, easygoing dogs where you can just be in the presence of that dog rather than being like, oh, this is going to be the meeting and everything's going to be cute. And we're going to take a million pictures. No, this is just like an interim step. We'll be in the same world and maybe they'll interact, maybe not. But finding dogs that are calm that kind of are a bridge to the future relationship. I love ambassador. I've never heard that before. I can't take credit. Ambassador. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a great idea. And the truth of the matter is these are things that we do in other aspects of our children's lives, right? Like we model the way that we interact with people. You know, if we want our kids to be kind, we're kind to other people. You know, if we, we want our kids to have balance on their screens, we try to have balance on our screens. It goes around. So it's interesting that it's the same concept. And honestly, I didn't really think about that, but it makes so much sense. If kids see parents who are afraid of dogs, then that is just naturally going to be the model that they're looking at. So I love that. It makes a lot of sense. And I think that we've all got a friend who's got a cool dog, right? Like cool moms, cool dogs. You've got someone with a cool (laughs) dog. I think that's awesome. Go find your neighborhood ambassador. But Now I want to talk about the book. I know you've worked hard on this. It's so exciting. Congratulations. It's coming out so soon. I know. Who Rescued Who? Tell me about it. Give us the storyline and talk about what was the inspiration. Well, you just mentioned screen time, and that was part of the inspiration. You know, the fact that we're so tethered to our phones and we're so dependent on them. So I just thought about creating a character who has this incredible life online, but the reality is she's uh, kind of unsure of herself and really doesn't know how to connect with people in the real world. So I thought about making life hard on her, taking her phone away and making her have real connections, not only to people, but to animals. So that Mm. was kind of the foundation for the book. And then as far as what it's about, it's basically a fish out of water story about a woman who loses her job uh, in a pretty embarrassing fashion and at about the same time discovers that she has family she didn't know about in the UK. She has an aunt and uncle. Not only that, she has an inheritance there. So she figures, yeah, she's like, I'll just go over real quick, get that settled and come back and get back to work. But while she's there, she discovers a needy little puppy and then realizes this aunt and uncle have needs of their own. And before you know it, this quick trip is anything but. Add in a sexy stranger with a British accent and you have who rescued who. Yes, just add in a sexy stranger with a British accent anywhere. You know what I'm saying? there. Grocery store, podcast (laughs) closet, you know? Anywhere. I'll take a British stranger with a sexy accent. Yes. I love it. And if you haven't figured it out, listeners, this is like women's fiction, not a kid's book. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. It is definitely PG-13 with perhaps a little bit of R. Yeah. All right. We dig that. We dig it. That's awesome. And it's coming out soon, available at your favorite local bookstore. And if it's not, remember, you can always ask them to carry it. We love, love, love supporting authors. We love supporting small bookstores. Go to your bookstore, go to your library and ask for it. Like, go places. If you don't see it, of course, ask for it. And I don't want you to give anything away, but um, was there some rescuing on both parts, maybe? Kind of? Definitely. It's not a spoiler to say that it is a mutual rescue. All right. Good, good. We want happy endings here. (laughs) 
It's required in my genre. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes, it is. It really is. And I know this because I I wrote one and I did not have a happy ending and someone said, you need to get rid of that, Kristen. So I do know it well. Okay. So first of all, like our rescue dogs changed the life of your protagonist. It changed my life. I mean, the big thing is that one of our dogs um, sleeps with my son. My son is sleep anxious and has been for a very Mm -hmm. long time and would come up and visit in the middle of the night, which is, you know, always kind of fun and also a little disconcerting when you lean over and you see two eyeballs staring at you. But since we got our wonderful dog, Archer, he has a buddy and it has completely changed his sleep like 100%. So we know that dogs change lives, but I want to hear some good stories. I want more. Do you have any situations where you've seen a dog come into someone's life and make it better? I mean, you you wrote an entire book about it, essentially, but are there any others that come to mind? So many. 20 years worth of stories, but I really like the stories where the dog acts as a bridge, especially for kids. So there was a family that had moved into the area. I was in Northern Virginia at the time. And they had two young daughters. I think they were like 9 and 11. Mm-hmm. And they were unhappy. You know, moving is hard. Yeah. And they rescued a dog. And this dog became the bridge to everything, to, you know, having a, a something to do every day. It was summertime, so I think they were off school. You know, focused their attention on the dog. And not only that, enabled them to meet so many neighbors. Because we all know you walk your dog, you're invisible, but everyone's going to say hi to that dog. So um, this dog was a really great way for them to forget about the fact that they were feeling a little bit homesick and sad about this move and form this beautiful friendship with their new dog and acclimate to their new home. And it was it was really powerful to watch. That's amazing. You know, I, I haven't had a pet in a while. So I had them when I was right out of college and like a new mom and then didn't have dogs for a while. And now that I have dogs, I can't, it's weird. I don't even really remember the time that I didn't. I mean, I do remember it when I'm not waking up at 5.30 to take them out to pee. (laughs) In the snow or the rain. In the snow and the rain. But overall, yes. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot for a little bit though because I have a couple more questions for you. Okay. If you don't mind. I'm going to give you a scenario and I imagine it might be a pet peeve for a dog trainer, you know, author who writes about dogs kind of person. But mm-hmm. I would love for you to be like, here's what you can do. Will you will you be willing to do that? I am willing. If I give you some examples? Okay, so first of all. I am willing. Okay. First one, you see people with dogs who are jumping all over other people. Mm-hmm. What would you say or what would you do? Not to them, but like in general for people who might have that issue. Is there something that people can do with that situation? Yes. This is like one of my number one pet peeves. Okay. And when I used to train, I would wear shorts and I would walk into a home and get jumped on and my legs would get all scratched up. So Ooh. it got to the point where I would wear a plastic groomer's apron to the first session of training because Ah. the dog didn't know what to do. So it was ridiculous. But anyway, what I would do is I teach something called the arm cross sit, which is just basically like pretend like you're crossing your arms like you're angry. Okay. You teach the dog that that's the nonverbal cue for put your bottom on the ground. Oh. Everyone can do it. Okay. Kids can do it. They love it because it's, you know, it's magic. Like cross your arms. Look what happens. The other side of it is you're not only controlling the people's behavior. It's such a clear indicator to the dog. This is what I need you to do. Because when dogs get excited, it's like their ears fuse shut. Yes. So a nonverbal, a clear nonverbal is an easy way for the dog to say, oh, what I'm supposed to be doing right now is sitting. Okay, got it. (laughs) I'm going to use this on children too, I think. (laughs) There's a lot of crossover. There's a lot of crossover. Preschool teachers. Okay, another one. Uh, You see a dog who's super pulling 
on their leash. Mm -hmm. So an easy way to fix that, fix in quotes, management. With dog problems, you have two options. You can either train a competing behavior or you can manage the behavior. An example is pizza guy comes to the door, you teach your dog to sit and stay very hard, or you put him in the other room. That's management. That's mm -hmm. easy. Yes. For a pulling dog, get a no-pull harness. You know, ah, a dog-safe, yes. dog-friendly okay. harness. Yes. There are a bunch on the market, but yeah, that's just an easy way to put a dent in the behavior really quickly. And last one, you hear a person repeatedly giving a dog a command who doesn't do it. So you're like, come, 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 or, you know, sit or off, and they're saying it four or five times. Uh -huh. What would you do with that situation? Well, first, this is, this is just a little terminology thing. I'm working hard to change the word from command to cue oh. because words matter. Yes, they do matter. Command is a dictatorial relationship, whereas cue is kind of we're on the same page and working as a team. Yeah, I love that. If this were a client of mine, I would just say, hey, you know, one time what you're teaching the dog, if you say it repeatedly, is that the cue is actually sit, 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 <laughs> rather than sit. Makes sense. So yes. I would just reset, ask them to try it again and say it once, give the dog a couple seconds to process. And if the dog doesn't respond, it means the dog doesn't know the cue yet. Ah, so there we go. That is so interesting. I haven't heard anyone ever say that. Dogs don't generalize well. So right. we assume that we taught him how to sit in the house. And then when we go to the vet office, oh my God, he's not sitting. What's oh, wrong? It's because okay. two reasons. It's super stressful being in that vet office. And number two, did you ever teach him to do it there? That makes sense. You know? No, we, I didn't go to the vet office <laughs> and teach them to sit. Wow. Okay. This is such great information. Of course, folks can find you several different places, and I'm going to rattle it off. So they can go to your website, which is VictoriaShade, S-C-H-A-D-E.com. They can find you on Twitter, which is Victoria Shade, Facebook, Victoria Shade Author. You're very on brand. I like it. Victoria underscore Shade <laughs> is Instagram. If you have a pet, you will love Victoria's Instagram feed. So make sure you go over to that feed. I mean, and follow. if you have an alligator, I don't know what to say. That might be a tough one. Cat, hey, cats <laughs> make an appearance. I am a, oh, yes. a diehard cat person, too. Yes. So. Cats make an appearance. And of course, check out her new book. It's Who Rescued Who. You can find it everywhere. You get your books on the 24th of March. And you can also pick up her first novel, which is Life on the Leash. And Victoria, you're going to stick around for Cool Picks of the Week, right? Definitely. I'd love to. Okay. We will be right back after this. You know how we feel about science and STEM and all things education at Spond. We're so excited to welcome Discovery Education and 3M as this episode's sponsor. And I want to take a little bit of time to talk to you about the 2020 3M Young Scientist Challenge. So, you know, if you've got curious kids like us, you've got kids who love science, STEM. My daughter is still making slime even after all these years. And guess what? what? That totally counts as science. You're going to want to check out the 2023 m Young Scientist Challenge. So here's how it works. Now through April 21st, 2020, they can submit a one to two minute video where they share a unique solution to an everyday problem. This is open to middle school students and they can go right over to the website youngscientistlab.com to enter. They can check out step-by-step -step instructions if you want to give them a hand. And there's actually a ton of free, awesome STEM resources and activities 
over at that site as well. So here's what they could possibly win. There is a grand prize of $25,000. That's a whole lot of slime. (laughs) And they're also awarding the top 10 finalists the opportunity to participate in a summer mentorship with a 3M scientist and receive a once in a lifetime trip to the 3M Innovation Center. Yeah, you know what? They're all about raising the next generation of problem solvers and we are here for it. Just remember, it's only a one to two minute video. You don't have to do any crazy science experiments. I know you parents are disappointed hearing that, but that's it. Here's what to do. Go to youngscientistlab.com to enter the 2020 3M Young Scientist Challenge. They've got step-by-step instructions. They've got free STEM resources and activities. And by the way, I sent this over to my middle school students' teachers because I think they would love to hear about this opportunity. So again, go to youngscientistlab.com and enter the 2020 3M Young Scientist Challenge. Okay, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And Victoria, you are my guest. You get to go first. And I know a little bird told me that you actually have two. Yes. Two cool picks, which is awesome. And I love it's one for humans and one for puppers. So go for it. All right, let's start with puppers. Okay. I am a treat aficionado. Love them all. Know way more than I should about dog <laughs> treats. And dog treat of the moment that I'm in love with is Bark Pops Cheddar Treats. Okay. And why do I love them? Because mm. it's a novel texture. Okay. So they're very much like cheese doodles or cheese puffs without that orange coloring. And because that texture is so different, I've never had a dog to turn them down. So... Okay. Big fan of those. That's. I don't think I would turn them down, actually. <laughs> I think they're human grade, so Ooh. you could actually eat one if you want. Okay, that's a good experiment for the kids. All right, and then what's your other one for us, for the humans? For the humans. Well, we all know it's hand-washing season right now, Indeed. but aside from that, yes, just working with dogs, hands get dirty, and yes. then you wash, and hands get dry, so hand lotion is important to me, and I love Walita pomegranate hand lotion. We love Smells them. great, absorbs quickly. And it's cruelty-free. Yes, cruelty-free. We love them. And you know, they've been around for so long and they're easy to find. I saw them at Target. So, all right, two picks. Okay, so my cool pick of the week is something I mentioned a little bit earlier. TikTok videos. I said your kids can make them, but parents, you can make them too. It's been a fun way for me to connect with my tween-ager. She's 11. We've actually been making TikTok videos together. And you can actually check out my latest. You know, I'd have to scroll a little bit in our Instagram feed, but I promise you won't miss it. And not just because there's a gigantic TikTok TikTok logo on the video. It's because I'm doing some crazy trick with Margot, like throwing her over my shoulders and probably going to cost me quite a chiropractor bill. So maybe don't do that in your TikTok videos. But anyway, I've been having a lot of fun. I know we talk tech here on Spawn and on Cool Mom Tech and in Out Tech Your Kids, but this one I love. And we actually have an article on Cool Mom Tech about why I actually started to allow my daughter to use TikTok in the first place. So anyway, we will link up everything from our show. We'll link up Victoria's books. We will link up her cool picks of the week and everything we spoke about over on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our guest, Victoria Shade, and our engineer, John Bowen. There are a few things that you can do to help us spread the word and support Spawned. Subscribe, download or save our episodes, leave us a five-star review, and honestly, the best thing you can do, tell a friend or family member about our podcast. 
If you're a listener, then you're already a part of our Spawn podcast community. You know that. But if you want to make it official, sorry, we do not have badges or jackets just yet. You can at least join us on Facebook. We have our own Facebook community. It's called the Spawn podcast community. I know we got really creative on the names there. We would love to have you. We chat about everything and anything. Stuff we talk about here, stuff we don't talk about here. And you know what? Anything else you want to chat about. We have a bunch of other Facebook groups too. Recipe Rescue, OutTech Your Kids, Cool Mom Fit. So head over to Facebook. That's where all the cool kids and let's just say it, the cool moms are. Thanks for listening to Spawned. This is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye.